Some of you were here on Thursday night. Uh, Thursday night was the graduation of Long Island Teen Challenge students. We had 23 uh, students graduate. It was a powerful time of testimonies and uh, the time of worship. They brought their full worship band and choir, and it was just really a, a great time. And uh, 23 of the students, some of them were able to give testimonies, but they had been in a program for four to six, four to, uh, six months to 15 months and had graduated into a certain phase of the program. But the amazing thing was when they told the backstory before they had gotten into the program, many of them were on a road of either suicide, drug addiction, near death, and then they came into Teen Challenge, they met Jesus Christ, and there was a dramatic shift in their life, and a, a miracle. You could say that they came in walking dead. I mean, they, they were alive, but they were dead spiritually and almost dead physically. And then God revived them, strengthened them, and some of them have graduated, and God is going to use them in tremendous ways. But one of the things that I had the privilege of doing was talking about how the transformative power of our identity in Christ can give us new hope, new power, new direction in our life. And for a lot of the students, for all the students that graduated, they've experienced this. They experienced that their life matters now, whereas before they were ready to throw away their life. But now because of their relationship with Jesus Christ, things really matter to them and they have hope to go on to where God wants them to go and to do what God wants them to do. But you know, I was thinking about it. And I was thinking about those students, and they had such dramatic testimonies, and their lives were so dramatically changed. And then I thought, uh, you know, not everybody has that type of life. Not everybody has been a drug addict or an alcoholic. And, but you know what? The Spirit of God does the same thing in our lives when we identify with who Jesus Christ is in our life in Him. And I want to talk about the identity, our identity in Christ today because uh, Romans chapter 8 talks about it. And the Apostle Paul talks about it through every, uh, almost every letter that he writes. He spends the enormous amount of time beginning in every letter that he writes about talking about who we are in Christ. And he makes sure that people know that because he doesn't want them to forget about the new life that they have in Christ because there is power there. And it's easy for our identity to become in something else rather than in Christ, even after we become a Christian. You just go up and talk to people. So who are you? Well, I'm a, I'm a teacher, or I'm a lawyer, or I'm a doctor, I'm a pastor. But a lot of times our identity isn't with, I'm a child of God redeemed, loved by God. We don't think of ourselves a lot of times like that, but the Apostle Paul thought of himself like that. And he instructed people to think of life like that. And if you didn't think like that, you would probably drift away. And so he writes this letter to the Romans, and he begins and he, he says that there's going to be a battle going on between our sinful nature and are identifying with the things in this world, or the past, or the problems that we have, 
And then with the battle with identifying with our new life in Christ and the new power that we have. And so he says that because Jesus Christ has died for us, because the Holy Spirit has come into us, because we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in us, then we have an obligation. And he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. I hope you like my little uh, visual here. I don't know if any of you have seen The Rise of Skywalker. Anybody check that out? Yeah, so, you know, in all the Star Wars movies, they are these characters. Usually it's the Jedi that are battling with themselves. Am I going to give myself to the Force, or is the dark side going to take control of me? And so all the time there's this battle going on, and even in this last movie, I'm not going to tell the ending if you haven't seen it, but there's this huge battle that goes on in this woman's life, and she has to choose, and in this man's life. And it's the same thing that happens in our life when we are battling our old life or what we want to do instead of what God wants us to do. And the Apostle Paul says, you have an obligation. You have not only an obligation, but it's a privilege to live life in the Holy Spirit, in a new power, in a new way that will give you the strength to do what you could never do in your own self. Why is he reminding them that? Because I think that a lot of times we forget that. A lot of times we just get so busy with life that we go on through life and we don't understand the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Or sometimes what happens is that instead of acting out in the Holy Spirit, we act out in our sinful nature. Or in our flesh, it's called the flesh or our sinful nature. Have you ever had a hard time forgiving somebody? And so they offend you, they said the wrong thing to you, they did the wrong thing to you, and so you're thinking about what they did, how they did it, how could they do that? And then the next time you see them, maybe you don't say anything, but maybe you say something to your friend. You know, this, did you hear what George did to me? And then you begin to talk about it. And then you rehearse the whole thing that happened. You bring that whole thing out. And then you say how bad that person is. It's almost like you're taking that person out of your heart. You're slapping them around in front of the other person. And then you're putting them back in your heart until you see somebody else that you can tell the story to of how badly you've been treated and how you are really upset about it. And then you tell that story again and beat that person up. Bring them back in your heart. And then what's controlling you? What's influencing you? That's that situation. That person. That's why unforgiveness has such a power over our lives. And the Apostle Paul is saying, no, you don't have an obligation to live in unforgiveness. You don't have an obligation to live in that type of hatred and anger or frustration, you have an obligation and a privilege to live in the Spirit. And so he's saying, it's one of the best lives you can possibly live. And I mean, Romans chapter 8 has got to be one of the best chapters in the whole Bible. And as you go through it, as you read it, it just gets better and better and better. 
And the Apostle Paul is trying to let us know that this is the new life that we have in Christ. But he gives us a warning. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now, we've all been to a funeral, right? We've all been to times where, you know, you see, you go into the uh, funeral parlor and it's the viewing and you see uh, a body there. It's like the first time my, uh, my grandson saw his great-grandmother and he was only two years old and he said, uh-oh. And everybody was really quiet and then all of a sudden... My little grandson comes in, he goes, uh-oh, there's something wrong. That person is dead. And what happens is that Paul is using this analogy and he's saying, you have died. Your old life, the life that you used to live in the flesh, consider it to be dead. Just as dead if, if you went to your own funeral. And count yourself dead to your sinful nature And alive unto God. That's really what baptism is, right? When we get baptized, right, what we're saying is, I want to go into this place that looks like a grave and go under the water and come out new in newness of life. And so the Apostle Paul uses this analogy in in Romans chapter 6, but he brings it back up in chapter 8 and he tells us that we're to live in the Spirit and put to death the deeds of the body. And what we'll do is we'll find life. So Paul's introducing this freedom from this kind of life in the flesh by reminding them of something, their identity in Christ. So he says this, those for the, uh, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. So he, he says, look at guys, you've become children of God. And now you used to be slaves to your sinful nature. But now God has changed that around. And now you are children of God. And so in Roman culture, what would happen is that uh, a wealthy person, if they took a liking to somebody that was one of their slaves, or maybe somebody else that was a slave, what they would do is they could adopt them. But in adopting them, what they would do is they would say, you are now going to become part of my family. And in Roman law, when you became a part of that person's family, you lost all your debts were all taken care of, all the old things that you identified with, even your name was changed. Now, there was something that happened if you were a slave, usually. You were branded. I mean, you you were burned with a mark that showed who owns you. Now, they can't take that scar away. That mark remains there. But the person becomes adopted, they get a brand new name, and they come and live with the adopted parents. And so the Apostle Paul is drawing this analogy that, uh, that uh, they are adopted children. So the Apostle Paul is, is, is bringing this analogy in that they belong in the family and that we belong in the family of God. That he has actually brought us into his family and we can cry, Abba, Father. 
But the other thing is this. Let's say that slave then just went back to go into another house, but they all knew he was a slave. And he had his mark on him. And the person that was at the door, the guard that let people in and out, recognized him as a slave. And he'd come up and said, who are you? And he goes, I'm Claudius Festus. And he goes, no, you're not. (laughs) Your name is not Claudius Festus. I know who you are. You're a slave in the servant of Festus. You're not Claudius Festus. He goes, yes, I am. I'm Claudius Festus. I have a new name. Look at your arm. It says you are a slave. And so there's this battle going on with his identity. The person is saying, you're not coming in here. But let's say Claudius Festus Numerous, I'll make up the name, who is the owner, comes in and he says, comes up to this slave and he says, Hi, son, what's the problem? And so that guard backs off immediately. No, this is my son. And that guard wouldn't probably say anything for fear of being reprimanded, but he had to back off because this young man or daughter belongs to this owner now, or to this father. Not an owner anymore, but a father. And they have a new relationship. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. You have a new relationship with God whereby you are his child and you can call him Abba Father. And so you can only imagine in front of the guard, the young man goes up and he looks up and he says, thanks, Dad. Let's go. And they walk in together. That's the difference of the power of identity, the transforming power of identity can have in your life. That it is something that you understand, you own, you realize that it's a greater identity than anything you can find in this world to be a child of God. And I find it amazing that the Apostle Paul, who says that uh, we can identify as God's children, why doesn't he say, you know, um, in verse 16, he says, um, oh, we'll go back to 15 here. Why doesn't he say, you know, you are now children of God? Why doesn't he say, now you can become pastors, you can become uh, missionaries, you can become teachers. Those are all things you could become. But why does he say children? And why does he say we all become children? Because I think he wanted us to emphasize, he wants us to understand the emphasis is relationship with God. And to find our sense of security self-worth in this relationship with God. And it's a deep love. It's a love that is so deep and so profound. That's what uh, Tim Keller said, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is God's love, and it's what we need more than anything. We need to understand and know That God fully knows us and fully loves us. And that liberates us from pretense and fear, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us in any difficulty life can throw at us.
And I think that's a profound statement that God fully understands and loves us, knows our past, knows our weaknesses, knows the things, the blunders that we make. And it gives you confidence. It'll give you confidence to stand up and do things that you could never do before. I really believe that. If you're a young person and you're intimidated by certain things, if you understand and know who you are in Christ, or if you are an older person, an adult, or even, uh, even as old as me, if you understand that God loves you, cares about you, you won't be influenced so much by what other people think. And we're living in a culture now where social media, how many likes you get when you post an Instagram, how many things that hit you, it, we're measuring our worth based on the response of other people all the time. And what happens is we say, oh man, how, how many likes did I get? You know, I wonder, I wonder what else I could have done to get more. And so our, our basis of identity is in something else other than in Christ. It's how other people respond to us. It was so funny today. I'd, I've never done this before. But I have to confess, today I got dressed, ready to go, and I put my shoes on. And now look at my shoes. I've got to show you my shoes. I got two different shoes on. <laughs> I got two different shoes on, and you know, my immediate reaction was, "Turn around, go! <laughs> How could you get up there and stand up there with two different shoes?" And then I said, "I can do this. My identity is in Christ. It's not on what I wear, right? It's not on what I wear." But you know, sometimes. Sometimes we're thinking about what are people going to think. You guys didn't even notice probably, right? No. Now you will. Everywhere you go, you're going to be looking. Why aren't you looking in my face? I'm looking at your shoes. But you see, what happens is that we get so caught up. What will people think? How will they react? They're all going to be looking at my shoes. You know, and it's just, it's not, it's not healthy. But if we are looking at our life in Christ and his love for us, you know, even if you saw my shoes, it doesn't matter. God still loves me. He still cares about me. Even when I have senior moments, you know, put the wrong shoes on. It was dark in the room, that's why. But you know, this question of who we are and who we belong to is one that was so well done in the movie Overcomer. Anybody see the movie Overcomer? Probably not many of us here. I just saw it for the first time yesterday. I want to show you a clip from the movie Overcomer because the movie has as its theme finding your identity in Christ. So if you want to see a good movie, if you have time, rent this movie, Overcomer. But let me just show you a clip here. And it's takes place in a hospital, and uh, this coach is going, accidentally steps into the wrong room and starts a conversation 
with a man who has diabetes. His diabetes has taken his eyesight. He's almost ready to die, and he's just come to Christ for the last couple years. And so, and here's this other man who's been in church for many, many years. He's a Christian, and he's doing a good thing, going to visit somebody at the hospital, but this is how the story takes place. Powerful movie. If you get a chance to see it, uh, you can rent it. I really encourage you to do that. But John had found his life, his identity in something else. He wasn't a bad guy. He's a good husband. He was a coach. He was a history teacher. He had all those things. But his identity was not in Jesus Christ. It wasn't the first thing he identified with or drew his power from or sense of significance, acceptance, belonging. That was not what he had. And so it's so easy for our identity to be stolen or misplaced. We don't ever want to go on a trip and we forget our passport. We forget our identity, our ID, right? That's like a nightmare. That's worse than putting on two different shoes. That's like you've got to go all the way back or you're not even going or the trip is canceled. But so much more is our spiritual identity. Our understanding of who we are in God and to grow in that identity and grow in that faith of that is so important. And this is what Paul says. He says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're children, God's children. He's saying that the Holy Spirit will testify, meaning that you just don't have to conjure this thing up that you're a Christian. The Holy Spirit will testify to your spirit that there is a sense that God is speaking to you, you belong to me. You are mine. And it's done in a loving, joyful way that God delights in calling us that and, help, and having us understand that. But he says, now if you're children, then you're heirs of God, heirs, uh, heirs, you are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. And so he says, look at guys, you not are only, not only children, But your part, you have the same inheritance that Christ has. He has shared his power, his presence, and all glory with you. And one day, you're going to be up in heaven with him. So whatever suffering that you're going through right now is not going to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed when he comes back. He says, so find who you are in God. When I was at the um, Teen Challenge graduation, I preached on this message, on this passage. And it was so important because it says this, but now this is what the Lord says. Not from the past, but now this is what the Lord says. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. 
So, God speaks all throughout the Scripture that we belong to Him. But do we believe this? And is it something, is our identity in Christ something that motivates us, that causes us a sense of security and boldness and confidence to face our fears, to face our failures, to face even the rejection of people, to even face suffering? This will be your strength. Your identity in Christ will be your strength to face those things. So I want you to say together with me as I close. He redeemed me. He loves me. I am His. I belong to Him. He redeemed me. Say it with conviction now. He loves me. I am His. I belong to Him. All right. That's right. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for that there's freedom. There is freedom in understanding that our life is in Christ. And Lord, we don't use that freedom to just do whatever we want. We use that freedom to have the confidence and power to do what you call us to do. To be able to die to the deeds of the flesh and live a new life in you. So Lord, would you be with us in this coming year in 2020, that we live life in the Spirit. We live life in the Holy Spirit. We identify our life in Christ. And we belong to you as your dear children. And we can call you Daddy, Father, in any situation that we're in. And your presence and your power will be with us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.